Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word written, for the ways that You have told us about Yourself. We thank You, God, for Your Son, Jesus. We thank You for all the things written about Him. We thank You that He is Himself a great and faithful witness. We pray, Lord God, that as we take a look at what Your servant John said about Him in his in the revelation that You gave to Him, uh, that we would too, as John, have our hearts uh, set on fire for You, our great God and King. And this we ask through the merits and mediation of Your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I uh, commend to you uh, the sermon that was... Uh, preached this morning by Andrew Pearson. If you were not here this morning, uh, I would urge you to go and uh, take a look at it, uh, take a listen to it on the website. Uh, it is a great sermon on um, doubting Thomas or believing Thomas, perhaps. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, but I thought that we would spend uh, some time tonight in uh, Revelation. I think, I think that in my uh, seven or so years of ordained ministry, this is the first time I've actually preached on. Uh, revelation in a Sunday service, but it was um, as I've looked at it. I, I think when you, when you're if you're reading Revelation, uh, you can you kind of can skip over the the first part of it. This is you know right at the very first part of the first chapter. You kind of skip over that just in anticipation of this sort of uh, the awe. You're just sort of nervous about what's to come, and so you're you're really thinking about what dragons and and all sorts of cities coming out of the sky and all sorts of things that you're getting ready to, to read in Revelation. But what is, uh, what is amazing is that John lays this incredible foundation, this platform for us to stand on as we read all of those remarkable images. That he lays the foundation right here at the outset. Uh, I, I think that probably a better preacher than I could, could take this passage and, and get six to eight full-length sermons out of this, uh, these five verses. So buckle in, we'll be here till Tuesday. Um, I... I um, it is uh, not to make, not to say that this um, uh, this passage of scripture is clownish, but it is sort of like a clown car. I mean, it just you know you have this. It just keeps coming. They just keep coming. In the description of Jesus, they just keep coming out. Five verses, no less than fifteen things uh, describing Jesus uh, in this incredible uh, passage. Um, the description just keep uh, coming and coming. And that and that is actually a truth of Christianity, isn't it? That sometimes what's on the inside is a lot bigger than than the thing that contains it. If you look just at this tiny little book right here, what I hold in my hands, uh, the words of life, the incredible things of Scripture. If you've ever uh, looked at a passage that you've read uh, many, many times and seen something new, you're not alone. My my professors in seminary used to always say that. They spent their whole careers uh, diving into Scripture and seeing things new. What what is uh, contained in here is so much greater than what than the uh, sort of the parameters, the physical parameters of it. The manger at Christmas in Bethlehem, tiny little manger, tiny little baby inside the manger. The thing that the manger contained was so much bigger than 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 the box that that it was holding, that it was holding it. So, uh, just that's a, a sort of a truth about scripture. We um, so there's so much to talk about in this passage, uh, and I and I can't talk about 
how this, uh, John starts this off as a letter, and he says grace and peace, and how grace is our standing before God through Christ, or peace is our experience of God uh, through Christ. I don't have time to talk about that, and I can't talk about the Trinitarian nature of, of uh, his greeting and how he includes the, uh, the Father who, uh, who was and or who is and who was and who is to come, and then the seven spirits who are before the throne, and how that's just really a symbolic number of the Holy Spirit in all His fullness. And so you have the Father and the Spirit and the Son, Jesus Christ, in this incredible Trinitarian proclamation right here in the opening um, pages of, of Revelation. I, I can't talk about uh, all that uh, right now. I want to, uh, but what I really want to, to say tonight, what I want to walk away with uh, tonight, is the descriptions of Jesus. And so, I, again, I can't take, you know, a full, I, it's not a, a three-point sermon where I can take a little time with each one. It's like a 15-point sermon, and I'll take about 30 seconds, maybe not even that, on each one. But just to, if you can uh, take a look in your purple sheet at the uh, descriptions that, that just keep coming forth about Jesus Christ. He is, and I'm in, um, in verse 5, He is the faithful witness. Uh, a witness, of course, is one who, who tells what He has seen. He has... He, this is one who has not just stood in the throne room of God, but he's sat on the throne. He is God. And he has come to earth to uh, proclaim uh, who God is uh, by his word and by his deeds. That he is God incarnate. He is God with skin on. He is the faithful witness. This is a testament to his life and ministry among us. And in fact, his death uh, as well. But he is not just the faithful witness. He is, he is the firstborn among the dead. Uh, which is uh, uh, to speak of His resurrection. We've seen His life, and He's the faithful witness. We see His uh, death there, and we see His resurrection as the firstborn among the dead. Not just um, in, in this, that he, the promise that you and I who uh, stand in faith will also be resurrected, but that He is preeminent among us. That He is preeminent. That He is uh, our, uh, our God. He is our Savior. He is the One whom we laud and give honor and glory to. Uh, and He is uh, also, in His resurrection, in His ascension, uh, He is uh, still with us. And He is, in fact, His hand is involved uh, in the very uh, world, on the world scene today. Sometimes it's hard to see that, but He is the ruler of kings on earth. And so we see His life and death, we see His resurrection, and we see His presence with us uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see that He loves us. And that's our job as preachers, to proclaim uh, week in and week out uh, that our great uh, God is a God who loves us. And He loves us so much that He has freed us from our sins by His blood. There is a, a very real, and uh, not this is not a subtle implication, uh, that our sins uh, have captured us. That we are in bondage uh, to our own sin. And that Jesus' death on the cross, by His blood, He freed us from our sins. His blood was the key to our shackles. And He unlocked the shackles of our sin. If our faith will just be in Him, by His blood, we have been freed from our sins. Well, we have not just been freed to go about and be our kings unto ourselves, to be gods unto ourselves, but He, in fact, has given us, an who believe in Him, an incredible unity in Him. That He has made us a kingdom. We, and He is the King, and we are His, are his uh, loyal, royal subjects. Uh, we, he is uh, our King. We are His kingdom. Our citizenship uh, is in heaven, the Scripture says. 
Uh, he has made us a kingdom. And not just, uh, we're not peasants. Uh, we're not serfs in His kingdom. Uh, we're priests. Now, I hold an office that has been uh, ordained by the church, and you may see me in sort of a priestly role, but a, a job as a... Uh, but you, you also are priests. That's a very scriptural thing. Uh, maybe not in, in the sense that um, that is recognized by the institutional church, but certainly um, uh, that is recognized by Scripture. That your job, a priest stands uh, stands between God and His people and offers sacrifice. I mean, you don't need to offer sacrifice because Scripture says we have a great high priest. But if you have a brother or sister in Christ or in your family or someone that you know who is in need of prayer, can you stand in the gap for them in prayer? Can you hold them up to God in prayer? Can you serve and minister in the name of Christ? Absolutely. And many of you have ministered that way. Many of you have been ministered to that way. We are unified as a kingdom of believers uh, subject to our King, priests unto Him, to God and the Father. And he goes on. uh, He says, and when you see amen in Revelation, uh, what we sort of think of amen as as a... period at the end of a prayer or maybe maybe an exclamation point what amen means it is true when you say amen at the end of a prayer you're saying it is true and so what we say that he is uh, to him be glory and dominion forever it is true and what else is true is that sort of a gap a bridge to the next statement he is coming do you know that jesus christ and he is uh, he died he's resurrected he ascended but he is coming again his his uh, return is sure. He is coming with the clouds. You remember when he was ascended and the, the disciples were kind of standing there with their, their mouths open wide and, and the angels stood among them and said, uh, what are you looking at? Get to work. He's coming back in the same way that you saw him. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know, um, I don't know exactly how uh, to, to picture that or to draw that, but I know that he's coming back. He's coming on the clouds and every eye will see him. Now, how does that happen? There's been 2,000 years of eyes that have have died and gone before. I don't know how every eye sees Him, but I know that it happens because Scripture says so. The ones who pierced Him, and in fact, we all have pierced Him by our sin, and yet He has freed us by His blood. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. You could translate that word wail. You could translate it mourn. And there's two ways. Every eye sees the Christ who has come back. There's two ways that people will mourn. Those who have not uh, held, beheld Christ in faith uh, will mourn because they are cast out. Because they are not counted. There will be a judgment. Jesus is very clear on that. Separating the, the wheat from the chaff. And the other ones of us who, who are in faith will mourn as well. But we will not mourn because we are cast out. But we will mourn in a Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn type of mourning. That we will see God face to face and there will, I believe, be a moment where we can say to Him, we are sorry for our sins. Every one of us will be held account. And yet that account that we must give to God for our sins uh, is wrapped up in His grace and mercy. He has taken it. But there will be a moment where we mourn in a blessed way. Blessed are those uh, who mourn. But you know what? It is true, amen, that our sin 
and our mourning is not the last word. Because Jesus is the Alpha. He is the A. He was there at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is, he is the Alpha, but He is also the Omega. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. He's the Z. And He has the final Word. The final letter over us is His grace and His mercy given to us. And then this incredible description of Jesus who is and who was and who is to come. There's so much to say about that, but simply here tonight to point out to you, this is the same description given of Jesus which was also given of the Father. Because Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And Jesus is, of course, our divine Savior. Fully man, fully God. And one day, we will see Him. And we will behold Him in faith. I hope that you um, come away from this incredible passage saying how great is our God. He's indescribable. He's uncontainable. He put the stars in the heavens and He knows them by name. But He doesn't just know the stars of the heavens by name. He knows each of us by name. Even to the point of the hairs on our head. He loves us. He has freed us. Let us believe the Gospel. Jesus Christ came for sinners. He came for you and me. Thanks be to God. Amen.